From Hong Kong, this is Mea Kupa, the Lessons Learned from Startups podcast. Based on the Postmortem Conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. I'm Jeffrey Brewer, and today we talk to James Kwan, Managing Director Jumpstart Magazine, a hybrid online and offline platform dedicated to connect tech startups in Asia Pacific and beyond. Before that, he founded Deal and & Ship, and he is an experienced sales and marketing expert. Welcome, James. Thank you, Jeffrey, for having me. James, you've been in managerial positions, mostly your working uh, experience, I saw, but how did you came and how did you make your way into startups? Hmm. The definition of startups, I guess, is, is quite unique because I think how I define startups now might have been different from how I thought I could define startups, let's say, 20 years ago when I, when I got into doing my own business. Um, I would say uh, the, my, my story, my backstory is when I finished my graduate degree, I, I thought I was going to work for a corporation. I thought that was the way that, that the route that I was going um, to take to earn a living. I, I finished my graduate degree. I traveled Asia. And one of my good friends from Singapore actually uh, identified an opportunity with his family. He said, would you like to get into textiles? I said, no way. Why textiles? I got an MBA. I'm not going to do anything in textiles. Then I find out there they were actually uh, one of the largest brands in Southeast Asia and in China. And from then, they convinced me to help them start and launch their brand in the U.S. Um, the way they worked, they were an old school business, and they wouldn't want to just hire anyone in the U.S. They wanted to actually uh, work with someone they, they had a personal connection to. So, yeah, my journey started way back um, when I finished my MBA, and I, we, we started a, a business there in, in, in the U.S. And fast forward three years, we went IPO in the Singapore market. So it seemed like I made the right decision. I didn't go into corporate. I stayed with the company. I helped them build their brand in the U.S. and we went IPO in the Singapore Exchange. That's a significant achievement. Um, it's more about uh, sometimes it's being at the right place and knowing the right people and everything just meshed together. Um, no way did I think uh, this was going to happen. I traveled Asia after I graduated graduate school. I went to 10 countries in Southeast Asia. I dropped by his home. And he made the offer in two days. So it was just something unexpected. And it was something that I really had to fight through only because it was like a startup. Um, it's, it, 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 was, it was a brand new company and I had to launch every aspect of the company. So yeah, it was a good challenge um, and interesting times. And how would you define startups now in this time of age? Yeah, I, I would define startups as being a lot more dynamic, a lot more refined. And um, back then, people didn't even have the term startup. Back then, it was just an early stage business. It was an entrepreneurial decision you make. It was uh, brand building. It was brand expansion. Now I see it as um, uh, what's, what's happening globally. Um, we have a lot younger minded people who have great visions to really disrupt the markets. What we were doing back then wasn't disrupting the market. It was really expanding a very popular product. Now I see people um, want to change the world. Everything is tech-driven. Everything um, now, I believe, is, is a lot more dynamic than it was 20 years ago. And then uh, after the experience, you was it the time that you came to Hong Kong? 
Um, no, I after after we went to IPO, I actually went out and started my own company after that in New York. We did an image recognition software company. Um, we we focused mostly in the security sectors, and we we had contracts with some of the the main uh, infrastructure utility players in New York. And then I came to Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is a is a is definitely a different world than New York. Oh. Can you name a few differences between New York and Hong Kong? Hmm. Um, if you look at New York and Hong Kong, I, I, you know it's it's two cities that are geographically similar in size, in population. Um, I think Hong Kong is a bit more dynamic these days. I think because of the proximity uh, uh, of where it's located, it's in is in Asia, and I think Asia represents probably a lot more new growth new ideas in the, at, at during these times. So uh, New York is great. It's my hometown. I just feel that Hong Kong and Asia is where I should be right now. For the people who are in New York and have never been to Hong Kong, what, what would be the one thing that you would say to them to convince them to at least visit once? Um, I, I would say that we have diversity in food. I, I guess New York has diversity in food, but the Chinese food here is definitely so much different than what you get in any restaurant in in the US and that's just the fun side of it on on the other end i would say um working or doing business in asia is a bit different and i and i see a lot of positives of doing a business in in asia i i hear uh, other people saying um uh, things a bit different but i think there's a lot of access when you come to hong kong versus in new york i believe uh getting access is 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 a bit more difficult and then you came to hong kong yeah i, I came to hong kong um in in 2009 so i've been here for 11 years and what was the primary reason you moved to hong kong because that's a significant move it's a significant move um I, we we had three kids at that moment i wanted my kids to learn chinese growing up in new york i didn't have that opportunity i wanted to extend the opportunity to my kids um my wife and I felt that uh, professionally, Asia is where we should be at. Um, and that was right during their financial crisis. Uh, we were pretty much unscathed. We were we were fortunate enough to uh, move our positions out of equity. And we just thought it was a great time for us to uh, come to Hong Kong and start new. My wife is originally from Hong Kong. So there was some basis of why we chose to come here as well. Okay, and then you started a new business here. Yes, yes. So I actually, before I started a new business, I, I went back uh, to uh, really develop what I, I've done in the past in terms of uh, textiles and manufacturing. It was just low-hanging fruit for me. Um, I originally came here. I thought I was going to uh, do some business uh, in between Hong Kong, China, and the U.S. and leverage off by what I've known in the past. Um then I was uh, attracted by a certain program here in Hong Kong, and it was Founders Institute. I haven't really heard of uh, accelerators uh, previously. I, I looked at it. I joined, and um, it, was, it was a great experience. Uh, that actually inspired me to uh, launch a few businesses here in Hong Kong. So it was the catalyst. Okay, so that means that you with your experience and your background in, in, in textiles, you did something in textiles? I did do something in textiles. Um, I, I launched my own textile brand. 
Um, I also helped uh, certain textile companies uh, uh, create business that they haven't traditionally created before. I, I allowed them to uh, use my entire network and go uh, uh, retail direct. And I worked with exclusively higher end, very niche brands. How did that venture go? Like no, no, it, it went really well. It was that that wasn't my venture. I was I was paid to do these uh, uh, projects, but uh, that went very, very well. But I just felt um, dissatisfied. I felt I was a, a hired hand um, working on existing projects and just enhancing them, and I I didn't feel it was something that I I could really take full ownership of. I was just a, a middleman making the process better. So then you started your own business? I started my own business. I, I started a company called Dealership. Um, I had a vision to really uh, help Asia really level the playing field in terms of luxury, luxury goods, electronics, against prices in the world. A lot of people didn't know, but prices in the U.S., which I was accustomed to, are typically 30 to 50% cheaper in certain um, category items, such as uh, electronics, for, let's say. And I just wanted to uh, uh, leverage, equal the playing field for people here in Hong Kong. So you're trying to leverage... Arbitrage opportunities. The arbitrage yes. opportunities, yes. How come that most of the products that are made in China are cheaper in the U.S. than, for instance, here in Asia? Yeah, it was so surprising when I first came here to uh, Asia, where I was accustomed to really uh, low-cost retail items. Um it just amazes me. Products are made in China. They make the journey to the U.S. If I was to bring the product back to Asia and mark it up significantly, I would still have a lot of, uh, it would still benefit a lot of my buyers and my customers. It was just uh, mind-blowing. And then I did research on why this happened. The U.S. actually has a power of buying um, products in mass, thus getting probably the best discounts Um from manufacturers in China. And at times, these these discounts were um, below cost. And the reason why is because they could sell a million laptops below cost because they had a back order of 10 million laptops that were marked up a certain percentage. So when you actually balance that out, um, uh, there was arbitrage opportunities because if I participated in buying that first batch, which was sold to the U.S. at cost, it really could benefit my customers. Um, but it, it it was just some expertise I had and uh, and and knew, so I, I extended that to um, my base at dealership. And how did you start out that that idea? Like, what was your first thing that you did? Hiring office staff, uh, getting contact with uh, shippers, uh, logistic distribution. What was the first thing that you started to arranging to make this happen? At that that time, I just finished the accelerator. That was the, the the project that I finished the accelerator with. So I already had a base, and from that base, I I started with hiring interns, um, got a got a co working space, uh, validated idea, launched it, started getting some business, and at that time, um, uh, six months into the the exploration phase, um, I left my other opportunities and started focusing on dealership full time. Um, from then, I hired staff. Um, I got uh, office. We were actually accepted into the Cyberport uh, Acceleration Program, where they provided me um, a space, guidance, and some um, initial capital. 
to get this going as well. Um, and we expanded our team at that point and we were expanding our sales. While doing that, you saw a lot of things, you learned a lot of things, but did you have for yourself like a uh, significant time frame? Did you say, okay, this has to be on a certain point in time and if it's not there, then I'll do something else? Or uh, did you make for yourself a particular uh, type of runway? Uh, how did that work for you? Yeah, I'm, I, I've always uh, wanted to give myself time to see this uh, project scale. Um, we were profitable because we just had very low expenses at that point. Um, we we were uh, our, the salaries of some of the uh, employees were subsidized by Cyberport. We had a free office. Um, we were building up the business, and um, it was there was no expiration date that I had on dealership. But what changed at that point was I also had another opportunity, and the other opportunity was a, a opportunity to acquire another company. So I acquired that company, um, and that company actually took off much faster, um, provided a lot more opportunities um, in my eyes. And at that point, I, I had a decision to make, where do I put my resources? And even at that point, some of my dealership staff, and that company was Jumpstart Media, which is what I'm doing right now. And at, even at that point, um, I, was, I was working with some of the dealership staff and they were helping me with uh, the new project and eventually a hundred percent of all the staff migrated to jumpstart full-time um, so uh, that took off we got investors to come in um, it was just to me a much more dynamic company so even though i'm a seasoned entrepreneur i think uh, uh, i wouldn't say dealership was something that uh, didn't work out i think if we pushed harder it would have worked out but at a much slower pace. And eventually I probably would have felt uh, there was an expiration date if we didn't scale up quicker. Um, but the opportunity at Jumpstart was something that uh, came very quickly. And within a few months of actually launching that, we had so much investor interest. Uh, I could see a future and a vision of how we could grow Jumpstart. And then that's where I am today. I'm at Jumpstart um, and, and we're better than ever right now. We've expanded. Uh, we're doing everything that I believe we could do at this point. And we're continuously building new projects, product. Uh, we have a vision to really expand globally and really represent Asia in a good light, especially in the startup ecosystem um, realm around the world. Looking back at uh, dealership. Yes. Is it still active, by the way? It's not active. Uh, funny story, when when uh, Jumpstart really took off, uh, I had to make some decisions and we slowly scaled down what we did at dealership. And then it came to a point where I felt um, I really needed to wind it down. And in Hong Kong, winding it down means it takes it takes almost a year of preparation to wind it down. So we uh, we 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 worked with our uh, legal and accounting. Um, team and we winding it down and it just winded down about six months ago officially winded down but it's been really de facto shut down for um, a year at least because what you said uh, the other venture where you're working on uh, Jumpstart magazine uh, was was just going and had more uh, momentum going for uh, on that if that opportunity was not uh, crossing your way how would you at that point would have built out uh, dealership 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when we were building out Dealinship, we had the grand vision um, of actually scaling this into China because it made sense. Products, I mean, it would have been a great story. Products made in China ships across the world the world and comes back into China at a lower cost. Um, we felt the market was really big. We 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 know that we could have went to Southeast Asia. Um, we ran into a regulatory roadblock um, during that period of time, and instead of solving that issue, which we don't know could have been solved, um, but basically uh, the importation of non um, let's say certified goods back into China. So in in the U.S., we would have a CE certification for our products. In China, that was not recognized. So though it was made in China and it's probably going to be fine globally, they actually had a different certification process. So products that we were bringing into China um, at times would get stopped. And I, and I anticipate that it would have been stopped in a more frequent fashion, meaning our market in China for that business um, was not viable. And we still had the Southeast Asian market. Um, so that's where we were moving towards. Um, in, in terms of where we were going to do some expansion. So if it was not for, for Jumpstart, I think um, dealership would be um, probably still active right now. Um, I can't tell you where we'll be, um, especially if we we haven't truly pushed our launch at that point, but we pushed our launch and it was uh, some success in Southeast Asia I and it was a profitable company. Um, it was just... It was just a set rate that we were going to get for every sale we make. We would not lose in any of the sales. And as long as that that was held true, it possibly could be something I would do now. Um, possibly only because now that I'm I'm affiliated with Jumpstart, I just see that Jumpstart just has so much more potential. So we put apples and apples and make a reference point right now. Um, if I didn't know about Jumpstart, I could still be running dealership. But because I do have a Jumpstart, um, that's where I'm at, my, and I'm, I'm doing that full-time. So it sounds like it was quite obvious, the decision to make at that point? Um, it was quite obvious because um, a lot of different people came out and supported Jumpstart in a big way. And when I was doing dealership, I didn't see the same type of support. So when I saw um, investors coming to me, I, I saw that that was a sign. We had six different investors come out, and... Uh, they, they were very bullish on what we were doing at Jumpstart, and they came in and invested very quickly. Um, some giving me money. I'm saying some, more than one giving me money within 48 hours of meeting me. And to me, that 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 spoke volumes of where they thought the company would go and how, how eager they were to participate um, into our early uh, investment round in Jumpstart. Okay, and then how was it for you personally? Because I can understand that if you build up something like dealership and that's something that you started with a blank page, totally your re responsibility, you, you see that's growing, you see that's profitable, but then you come across something else that's way bigger. What did that with you personally as in, hey, I set this up, it's not as big, but it's still profitable and I see something else that's bigger, greater, but that's not 100% a blank page for me like how is that for you personally to make that decision at that point to jump in there wow you really do have the pulse of a startup founder because that is something that um that i i really had to think about 
in a in a long way. This decision wasn't easy, and dealership was my baby, right? Dealership was um idea I came up with in an accelerator program. Um, I developed it, I refined it. Um, I actually left my other opportunities to start it. I was very happy at 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 dealership. Um, we got accepted to uh, Cyberport as well, and that validated the business. Um, it was not an easy decision, but at the end of the day, I think if you take all the emotions out of it, it was a business decision I had to make for myself. It was, um, I know something that would benefit my family, it would benefit myself, and it was something that made me happier. So um, I had to set aside any of those emotional ties I would have with a company and make the mature decision. And the mature decision was um, uh, let it go. And I made sure that no one was hurt in that process. So all the employees at dealership actually migrated to to jumpstart. So I, in in that fact, um, I didn't let anyone go who wasn't already at jumpstart. Um, all our service providers that were helping us um, at dealership migrated to jumpstart, and I think it worked out for everyone. Um, I think uh, a lot of the 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 full time staff that came out to jumpstart actually um were happier they 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 actually saw that the the field was wide open in what we were doing and there was greater potential of success you talked a little bit already about your family what what was their reaction like papa is going to do something else again and again and again and again is this finally the thing that is going to take off or like how how did you manage that 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 communication and that uh, that expectation that that uh, yeah your family your wife your kids have about uh, the business ventures that you do yeah so my my kids were a little young but they were always supportive of me in all my journeys and even when i was doing the accelerator and i would practice pitching they were my cameramen And they would give me critiques as well. And they're young kids. And it was fun to hear what young kids think because they don't lie, right? They tell the truth. Um, then they they heard about other opportunities. They were a little perplexed. My wife, on the other hand, um, understood because she's she's a business person herself. And she she saw and she felt um, what I I I feel. Um, she she is very supportive. And when investors came out um i think that also validated which business we should go with um full-time and it was a uh, jump start you talked already a little bit about accelerators um and you went through that but you already had experience as a managing director uh, you already experience in in running a business me too like when i i've been an entrepreneur almost all my working life but I had the opportunity to go through an accelerator in 2012 with an idea. And at that point, I was like, I already know this. And then I went to the accelerator and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't even know this. Some of the things I was already doing naturally in that sense, but some things I found out, I was thinking like, oh, so that's why XYZ is happening. What was for you a few points that were getting clearer when going through a uh, program like that uh, based upon your experience of running that and then going through a program like that? Yeah, um, that's, that's a great question. So when I, what attracted me first to the accelerator, um, I, I read the, the 
the value proposition online. I felt that it was very interesting. I felt that uh, uh, at that time it was very exclusive. I, I applied. Um, I, I got in. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. Then I come into a room of people from different nationalities, ages, backgrounds, and we all shared. And I just found it fascinating, immensely fascinating. And when we started getting into the accelerator, I think it was a 16-week program. Um, being an experienced manager sometimes just means you have a lot of time at a certain business doing um, certain tasks. But what's different, what happens in an accelerator is that they actually go from A to Z in terms of what you should know. Um, for example, I was not a social media specialist. And I, and I realized immediately how important social media was um, and how uh, that could affect marketing very quickly. So I could say that uh, previous experiences, I may not have needed that only because a lot of the sales were B2B. Um, and I just felt that's something I could always avoid or skip. Um, definitely, it helps someone refine a business idea. It brings it to a better light. Um, you get validated by your teammates. And I believe the experience at Accelerator provides the most value by the network it can provide you. So now it's very evident that a lot of people join Accelerators for different reasons. You, you join for cash. You join for a network. You join for a specific introduction even, right? Um, when I joined, I was just uh, eyes wide open and I was ready for anything. But at the end of the day, I could say that the network that I, I got out of that first accelerator was amazing. Um, a lot of my investors were also part of that program. I would say a lot of uh, uh, top management that that are at Jumpstart was at Jumpstart. Um derived from friendships that came out of that accelerator. So the value is quite high. Um, and learning um, could be in different levels. Um, I, I could say that you could learn refinement of your business. You could learn how to network with, uh, with, with a new group of people as well. That's great to hear. Um, full disclosure, I was running the program when you were going through it. So you were a mentor of the program at that year. You were, the, you were one of the directors the year after. I was, yeah, I, I was going through, uh, I, yes. I, I became a director during this program. That's right. That's yes. where, yeah, that's where Jeffrey and I first met. Yes. So it's great to hear that uh, that feedback. During the program, you get in contact with a lot of mentors, a lot of advisors. So you get a lot of advice. Um, what type of advice you hear often or heard often that you actually don't agree with? Hmm. So... One thing that I know is a big deal, and this is, this is one I'm going to disagree with, and it's everywhere that, that you should have this. Um, a lot of people believe that you should have a co-founder, a co-founder at the very beginning stages of your business. And I could see the benefits of having someone to bounce your ideas off of or um, uh, develop a project together and having different kinds of points of view, which is great. Um, to me, I feel... Um, getting a co-founder is almost like getting married. You choose the wrong person, you're going to end up in divorce or you're going to just be unhappy every day. Uh, I don't believe that people should rush to get a co-founder. And if that meant less opportunities to myself, let's say, for example, um, if you wanted to get into the next level accelerator YC, for example, one of their core requirements is that you should have a co-founder. Um, I'm not a necessary uh, believer that that should be it. I, I think 
co-founders are necessary, maybe at a later stage. Um, and, and a lot of people disagree. A lot of people need a support supporting partner or they come in together. And I think most people in, in the accelerator had a partner. I did not. Um, I just felt uh, uh, I needed to really wait and find the, the right person to be a partner and to be a co-founder um, of my business. And to me, a co-founder doesn't need to be with you from day one. It just means it's someone who has a significant interest um, and stake in your company at any time during that process. And what's the most valuable advice you ever gotten from somebody? Um, during, during the program, um, a few things. I, th I thought um, a lot of the advice I got in Hong Kong were Hong Kong specific, and that was great because I wasn't very familiar with Hong Kong at that point. Um, I think uh, some of the advice I got from, from one of the mentors um, who became an advisor, who became an investor, um, was how to really structure um, my investment rounds and what to expect differently from Hong Kong. And even even the, the way he explained it to me was um, at a certain point, especially in early stage investments, perhaps you don't need to look for um, a few large investors. You could be a little bit more flexible in Hong Kong and look for um, different types of angel investors to come in at smaller amounts. Um, it could bring diversity and at an early round, it wouldn't really um, change much. And I think the way it was explained that it was a very Hong Kong specific thing. So this wouldn't fly in other countries. It wouldn't fly, um, let's say, in Korea or Japan. But in Hong Kong, it was unique because there was a lot of high net worth individuals or um, family offices who wanted to diversify their investment um, portfolio. And startups could be one. And, and I listened and I allowed that uh, thought and I tried to be open-minded to it. I didn't have to go um, to a professional VC route at the very early stage and get uh, large investments early on. Um, so it was actually very good advice. Um, I think that that was something that helped me um, raise very quickly at, at Jumpstart. What's something that's not a secret but most people don't know about you? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a hard one. Um, I guess... Uh, in my younger days, <laughs> in my younger days, I mean, I, I came, I'm a more mature founder. So I, I know it's a podcast, you can't visualize, but I'm a, I'm a bit more mature um, in age. Um, but in my younger days, I, I was, I, I, I was an avid athlete. I love sports. I, I, I used to play basketball, I guess, six, seven hours each Saturday and Sunday. So that's an end. Um, that tennis, um, skiing, I, I did all these sports. Um, and if you look at me now, I, I haven't touched a basketball in five years and um, it probably shows. So luckily, this is a, 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 a audio podcast. Uh, just for the listeners, uh, he doesn't appear to be the general basketballer because he's not that tall. Uh, how tall are you? I'm 5'6". Five, 5'6". Six. Five, six. So that's not the average basketball. No, right? no, no, no. But it's about love and passion, right? So I, I've always had a passion. I'm a competitor. So I always played my hardest. And if you ask any of my friends in New York when I play ball, it's like, you know, no one tries harder than you. Um, I'd never give up. I never give up. If I if I lose um, when I'm playing defense and I lose someone, I, I go to the end. I just don't. I, I try not to get stumped. Um, I love playing American football. I like playing any sports, but I always play to win. And um, and and that's that's one of the attributes my friends in New York knows about me. 
very competitive. If there's one thing you want people to take away from this podcast, this talk that we just had, like, what is it? Um, I believe, I guess, I just want to inspire the next entrepreneur. If they have a dream um, and they feel like doing um, something on their own, um, that's not traditional because I know in Hong Kong, a lot of people finish university. Um, they have expectations to work in corporate. Um, I would encourage them to explore. Okay, let's say you don't jump in all the way at the beginning, but never give up ex exploring. And it could be as simple as uh, going into a pre-accelerator, understanding the, the the main attributes or concepts you need, and maybe testing to see whether or not you had that personality to get along with um, teammates, um, really uh, become coachable, um, develop a network where where you feel could bring you value. If you, if you go to a pre-accelerator and you feel everybody in your mentor base are are idiots or dumb maybe then it's not right for you or if you had trouble getting along with your your classmates or everything you've learned you felt was useless um hmm, maybe then you have to really really evaluate maybe you're not meant to be an entrepreneur um maybe you should be in corporate but i believe that anybody who believes uh they have a, a fantastic idea they're driven to start um something um creative and and something that could be really meaningful to the world, give it a go. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of having the young people um, look at entrepreneur in a new light, especially the youth of Hong Kong. Um, I think uh, this is a viable path um, and corporate isn't the only option. I want to thank you for your valuable insights and uh, sharing uh, of your lessons learned to startups. Thank you for having me, Jeffrey. It was really a blast. For the listeners, if you have anybody that you want to hear on this podcast, uh, let us know. Contact details are in the show notes. And although the rating system of podcasts is hideous, uh, if you like the this May Culpa series, you can rate this podcast with five stars as a motivation for the makers. This is Jeffrey Brewer. And normally I would say go out and build something meaningful. But with the current situation of COVID, I would say stay in, but still build something meaningful. <laughs>